Longhorn Nation. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Texas is back, folks. Oh, yes. Oh, Christ. We're back. Welcome back to another episode of the Fire Steve Sarkeesian Podcast, your overreactionary Texas Longhorns football fan podcast. I am Josh, joined today by Noah, and let's just play a quick voicemail here and go from there. This is uh, Keith Miller out here in Clifton. I, uh, I dogged the offensive line last week, and I guess they listened to your podcast because that was pretty dominant from what I saw up front. That looked great. If that team shows up every week, we'll be in the conference championship for real. So hook them. All the live long day, man. That's the best first half I've ever seen in the past, like, ten years. Great. All right. Thanks, Keith, for calling in again. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't really get a good chance to, to listen to this beforehand, so we're, we're sort of playing from the – shooting from the hip here. But uh, – and we, we didn't plan – basically any of this episode we are in a sort of a time crunch here so we're trying to do our best sort of just going to grip it and rip it very off the top i guess um very stream of consciousness for this episode so uh yeah texas played texas tech 70 to 35 final score last week uh the offense looked impressive and welcome welcome to the scene xavier worthy big game from xavier it was. It was a big game from a lot of guys, but he certainly uh, is looking like he's establishing himself as an integral part of the offense uh, moving forward. Because um, I, I think it was a good game uh, from Worthy's perspective, not just from being a featured part of like Sark's system, and you could see like Sark intentionally trying to get him the ball, but Worthy also did things beyond that, right? Like opportunities he was given where he created more out of what he had um you know you think the long touchdown run i think even down on the goal line that that route was pretty good just to get himself some space for casey to get the ball in uh and that you know i think that's a big part of what sark needs from his skill guys is people that can create something afterwards jordan weddington showed a little bit of that as well so it's not just worthy um but it, it bodes well for sark's offense having guys that do something with the ball after the catch yeah especially considering it's another week for Texas struggling to really find the deep ball, just not quite able to connect on some of those. It seems like we're just cursed perpetually to never expect one of those to hit on time, have Marcus Washington stumble when he's wide open, easy touchdown for Casey Thompson. It was just one of those ones where anything that could go wrong on a deep ball to make it not connect happened. We had the stumble. We had um, Casey Thompson trying to force stuff, uh, we had like last second amazing breakup plays from the defensive back. It's just a comedy of things that that are stopping us from being able to connect on them. It's we're we're right on the precipice of that being able to open up, and as soon as those start landing, impressively, that's going to take the, this offense to the next level, which is crazy to say about an offense that scored fifty six and sixty three points in the last two weeks. Seventy points. Well. Seven of that was oh, on yeah, pick duh, six. Duh. Okay, duh, duh, come duh. on, Noah. I'm sorry. Stream of I'm consciousness. Sorry. You got. You can't yeah, forget Josh to, Thompson's play. I'm trying to stick up for for the offense here, you know. And then I forgot that. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, on the topic of deep balls, uh, I actually did a little bit of charting. Went back and watched all of Casey Thompson's uh, throws and basically charted all the ones that went more than 20 yards past the line of scrimmage. Uh, so I'm glad you brought this up because I got the stats here, and they're not pretty. Um, so through four games, he has, let's see, 11 attempts. Uh, and again, it's just 20 yards in the air past the line of scrimmage. And his stats are... 1 of 10 for 23 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, and a drawn pass interference. So that's not good. Uh, but kind of like you say, it's not all on him, right? Uh, if I was actually going to kind of grade each throw, um, like the, I think that five of them were probably really well thrown, five or six. Uh, there was a missed PI against Rice. Uh, there was one where Marshington, Marcus Washington tripped, like you said, uh, there was one that was just a really good play by a Rice defensive back uh, last week. Um, and so it's just kind of one of those things where we aren't converting at a good rate and he's going to need to improve the rate at which he's throwing good balls. Uh, but I think that we are going to see some kind of regression to the mean here. Um, although I guess regression to the mean isn't really the right word. Uh, some sort of improvement to the mean. We're not going to keep on missing on all these for the entire season. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think he has something to work on as well. Like he needs to work on choosing when to put air under his balls and when to not put as much air. Uh, cause I think there have been some where he's just put too much on it. Um, but that is another element that I think that we can expect to see more connections as we move forward here. I thought one of the other areas of the offense that was very interesting is we, we actually got to see sark pull the cover off the offense a little bit more we had some more creative formations some more creative play calls uh one of the ones that jumps to mind was one where we had an off or an overloaded offensive line where i don't remember exactly who was to the right of jake majors but there was only one offensive lineman to his right and the other three guys were to his left uh, we had one of those formations and then obviously jordan whittington's touchdown uh which I thought that was an interesting amount of misdirection that was going there between the motion and the sort of read option look and it being sort of the, the jet sweep, the sort of little shovel pass jet sweep look. A uh, lot, lot of different things that we had not seen in previous weeks and a lot of different things where we're going to be able to do one thing. To, we're going to put one thing on tape and we're going to be able to play off of that a hundred different directions in the future and, and keep teams guessing with that stuff mm -hmm. and this is something that i mentioned last week is that against rice the playbook was so much more open than it had been the previous two weeks uh, so i think that it's kind of a mix of things i do think that casey playing probably is allowing him to get a little bit deeper into it because casey you know you hear a lot about his the amount of preparation work that he does um i know listening to some of the 247 guys they've talked about casey being a grad student has more time available uh but I don't think that's that's all of it because I, I also think that you know it's kind of natural to open up whenever you're like first year installing the system you get deeper in the playbook the further into the season you go, and then also with the offensive line starting to settle down and Sark really leaning into like the outside zone as our primary run scheme, uh, I think that that's allowing him to bring out a lot more. So a lot of the interesting things that he does, uh, like you're talking about with motion, like Jordan Whittington's uh, touchdown is a perfect example because he's found what works for our base play so then he can build off of that base play. He's not st still trying to find 
what our base identity is. So against tech, you know, there, there was there was one sequence where we straight up just ran like outside zone to the left, like twice in a row, just <laughs> like same play. And it worked both times. And then you get down to the red zone and you line up and you flip it and you show outside zone to the right. And, you know, all game long, you've been burning him with it. And then you just have, yeah, a little touch pass to Jordan Whittington going the opposite way. So I think that he, by, um, and, you know, it's not like we've completely abandoned all of our other run game concepts, but I think that by having the one that he can build the rest of the offense off of, uh, I think that that's helping him be able to have something successful that the defense is having to respect and having to key on to, and then letting him take advantage of that. Um, so I, I think that we're going to continue to see, you know, just a lot more of that as we keep going here. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the offensive line starting to gel. How much of that, like, they, they played extremely well against Texas Tech, but that comes with the caveat of it was against Texas Tech. Not exactly the scariest defensive line that we're going to play all year, but neither was Rice, for that matter, and Rice looked significantly more or significantly worse for our offensive line than that Tech game. So how much of that is Kyle Flood is making progress? How much of that is what the fuck is Texas Tech doing? Who knows? I I don't know. It's I can't answer that question because, you know, we're four games into the season and it's just such a crazy season across all of college football, you know? Not even just us, just the chaos is everywhere. Um, so I, I think we'll know more in two weeks, you know? Uh, we certainly will know more. I think that at least a good portion of it has to be the offensive line. I, I, I mean, I think. And some of that scheme as they've started to really move the offense in the direction of what the offensive line is good at i think that it's natural for them to look a little bit better um and i think that the communication has improved as well like the the pass blocking especially like not missing assignments because there were some snaps against rice where you know it's like a a four-man rush and you have like four guys blocking two guys on one side and then one guy gets left completely unblocked on the other so it's it's just i think that it's kind of the offensive line starting to gel um at least some of that improvement but it's it's you know we're going to talk about tcu here in a bit but we <laughs> it's, it's just, there's just so many questions now i'm not i'm not pretending to know anything about this team yet uh i've been burned too many times that that was gonna be my next question when when are we going to start buying it because i think we've seen Texas offenses have consecutive games where they played extremely well only to sort of fall back to the things that frustrated us under previous staffs. Like when, when do you say, Hey, I'm, I'm fully bought in. This is Sark's offense. This is the standard hanging half a hundred every week. When, when do you buy that? Is it after TCU? Is it after Oklahoma? If they do it the next two weeks, do you go, this is what we are? We are a team that scores 50 a week? Uh, yeah, if we do it the next two weeks, absolutely I will be. Uh, I don't I don't expect us to put up 50 on either of them. I don't know, but you don't need to put up I mean, SMU hung 42 on SMU hung 42 on TCU just last week. I'm not saying we won't. Uh, you know, we're going to have to watch some I know that TCU has some injuries we're going to have to watch on the defensive side of the ball, but we also don't really have answers to those yet. Um, so as, I think there's a couple different questions there. And the first one was, like, when do we say this is Sark's offense? I can, I think I can already say that. Like, if you go look at what he did at Alabama last year and then you watch our offense against Tech, there's a lot of similarities 
you know you can already see sark's fingerprints all over it it looks very sark like um but that also doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to perform to the level of hanging 70 every day so i think that that's also the other way is when can we say that the players are developed well enough uh to put those up there because it's, it's kind of the two parts right the coaching and the execution um so i mean sure if we go out and score 50 the next two weeks then i'll i mean that would be incredible that would be like we'd be on pace to match 2019 lsu and last year's alabama i think in terms of just offensive prowess uh so i don't know i i still think ou will be one of the better defenses we play um so I think that that is, you know, my my expectation for the next two weeks is two and one. Or, sorry, the next three weeks is two and one. Like, I think that that's, like, an acceptable outcome because uh, that's, what, TCU, OU, and Oklahoma State? Is it Oklahoma State right after OU? I believe so. The 16th, um, that's the big Yes, it is Oklahoma State. Weekend. That's right. Yeah. Big recruiting weekend, among other things in my life that I have to have that date memorized for. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it is Oklahoma State. So yeah, if we yeah if we can go two and one, I I think there's a lot of a lot of chips start to fall there because you have obviously TCU has just been hell for Texas over the last ten years basically. You have an Oklahoma team which now for the past two or three seasons in Dallas has physically dominated the texas offense with the oklahoma defense which was frustrating after how 2018 went so i guess two the last two years in dallas oklahoma has dominated and then oklahoma state hasn't been quite as much of a headache but they seem to be returning another strong defense after they were a good defense last year so yeah i mean this is one of the most challenging stretches of the schedule and coming into the year that wasn't necessarily something you expected because you've got i mean once you follow oklahoma state you've got baylor who suddenly is like, I mean, there's still a lot of questions, 4-0 and with sort of an asterisk against September Matt Campbell and a bunch of nobodies, but they've looked competent doing it. It's not like they're g- scraping by by the skin of their teeth and only getting through because in games where they otherwise got blown out and sort of got a fluke win. Like, Baylor looks pretty good. You've got Iowa State following that, who, if you track – how Iowa State has done historically under Matt Campbell, they get better towards the end of the year. So their struggles in September aren't a surprise. Maybe the level of struggle to this point, especially with all the people they returned. But I mean, these next like five games, even beyond the three game stretch that you talked about is big for Texas. These are the next, these next five games make or break the season. Right. And it's, so I know that we have Kansas state as our last game. I'm pretty sure. And really the, those five games plus Kansas state, like those are all the teams vying for a, a conference title game berth. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm kind of thinking we get through here two and one, we're five and two We're th- what three and one in conference. Yep. Uh, that that's at least setting yourself up to compete for a, a, a title game berth, which is, you know, I think whenever we go back to our preseason expectations, we were like eight and four, nine and three. I didn't expect to be in the title game. Cause I thought it'd be Iowa state and Oklahoma, like pretty, securely uh not that we couldn't you know if we if we exceeded expectations we could match them but i thought they would both be a lot better than they were uh so the big takeaway i think through the first third of the season is that the big 12 is winnable that, that is not an unattainable goal for us it's i'm not going into the oklahoma or the iowa state game anymore thinking okay 
we can win if we play well and we get a couple of breaks to go our way. It's more like, you know, we should be able to take these guys. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that there's there's still an asterisk next to that statement for Oklahoma because it's possible they improve a lot in the next two weeks and get to the form that everybody was expecting. Um, but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not fully drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, well, I mean, I am like there, of course the fan in me is like, oh yeah, we could, we could win every game. We could go to the playoffs. Like all that is still possible. 11 and one is on the table. Noah, it is not unrealistic. It is is on the table. I'm not expecting it to happen. So I'm not going to be upset if it doesn't. Uh, so I think that that's what I was getting at. There is like two and one over the next three weeks, you know, hopefully four and one in the next five. That's like a good outcome here. Like you can't be upset if we go four and one. So would you say at this point, even though we predicted eight and four, nine and three, would you say at this point, based on what we've seen from the Big 12, what we've seen from Texas, eight and four would be now disappointing? You feel like nine and three is the floor for disappointing or the floor for acceptable based on what we've seen now? Well, okay, acceptable and disappointing are different different things here right like i could well, be disappointed okay, okay. But still a, a successful result, so. a successful first year based on what you've seen now from texas would you be disappointed to go eight and four i mean i would be disappointed but i could also still acknowledge that i mean the context always matters right like it depends on how it happens you know if we get blown out like we did against arkansas by oklahoma baylor and kansas that's very different than like oh we lost a couple close games because Bijan got hurt or something. I don't know, but yeah, I think, how I think dare I'd you be... put that energy out there? First of all, that's <laughs> fucked up. I, I think I would be a little bit disappointed in eight and four, but you know, disappointment is not the same thing as saying that like it's a, a failure of a season or anything like that. So, um, where are you? Here's where are a... you at, Josh? Where's your disappointment? I, I think eight and four right now feels like it would be now disappointing after going into the year going hey nine and three is probably the ceiling eight and and probably where i'd expect us to be eight and four i could see with a bad break in a game or two but i i think right now and and i texted my friend this earlier this week and it's been sort of rattling around my head for a bit if we convincingly beat tcu like we don't not if we scrape by but if we convincingly win by 14 points, 17 points against TCU. I think I'm, I think I'm done. That's, that's all the Kool-Aid. I am full on. Like if we don't make the conference title game, I'm disappointed. That's, that'll be the level I'm at. If, if convinced, if Texas can convincingly beat TCU this weekend, that is where I am at mentally. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Let me build on it a little bit. Cause I think that you can say, Oh, I'm disappointed with the outcome of the season because we didn't make it to this conference title game. But then, you know, once the season over is over, you can also say, well, I'm not disappointed in Sark because the fact that he got us back to the point where we thought we were going to be in the conference title game, you know, um, kind of says something in of itself. Uh, so there's a certain amount of energy that would be back in the program that was very lacking uh, for the last two seasons. So, um, yeah, I, but I, I can definitely feel you on my hype is going to be if we win the next two weeks, Josh, I'm going to be very, I'm going to have a lot of struggles with my emotions and keeping them in a check. I, yeah, if we, if these next two weeks are two and O, I am going to be fucking obnoxious at fair park 
walking out of that stadium. I am going to be going ballistic. I'm taking my parents down there. They wanted to go to the, the State Fair of Texas. They wanted to go to the game because they've never been. It's it's going to be a mess if if we are if we look good the way especially the way the offenses look the past two weeks I am going to be through the roof like if we convincingly win the next two weeks like I go from convincingly win against TCU my expectation is now making the conference title game convincingly beat Oklahoma as well I'm 100% like totally stupidly going to be buying all in on like this is a potential playoff team i i'm right there with it plus it'll be just be so nice just to have you know the team is fun to watch the offense is so much fun to watch so if the offense keeps it up that's it's not just like okay i'm gonna be chugging that kool-aid uh but yeah there's just so many so much that would be going into that hype there um i might need to go ahead and schedule an appointment with my PCP in advance just so I can get that script for insulin if I need it. Uh, I'll just cancel if we lose one of the next couple games, but um, yeah, it'll be a lot of, a lot of Kool-Aid drinking there. Yeah. It's, I, I don't think I'm at that point of overreacting yet, but I know I am, I am on the edge. I am, I am standing at the top of the cliff waiting for Sark to tell me that it's safe to dive. I, I am, I'm I'm at the top of the mountain. I'm ready to go. Like I, I'm I'm I I am primed. The pump is primed. All gas. I am ready to just unload all of the this this got weirdly sexual, but I'm I'm just ready to just be fully <laughs> bought in 100%. Okay. Okay, Josh. We need to both for our sake and possibly for our listeners. We need to take a step back from that ledge. No, we don't the, need to take the, the step back. Ledge. We have been we have been reasonable for too long, Noah. We have to be <laughs> we have to let people know we are ready for this. We are we are ready to actually be as overreactionary as we claim to be at the start of every episode. All right. I that's fair. It feels like we're in like off-season mode like all over again because yeah, we we you know, we won a big game. And then we got blown out, but it's like we switched quarterbacks. So it's like, boom, whole new honey peri- honeymoon period with the team. Uh, like, we're invincible, even though, you know, I'm not sure that either of the last two teams we played were any good at all. Look, um, Noah, new QB, new me. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. So after the Arkansas game, I'm hanging out with, uh, yeah, you know, just the group of guys I was with. And one of them, who will remain unnamed, was talking about, hey, all that matters is we got our quarterback. This guy is like, he has the most extreme emotional swings with regards to Texas sports I've, of anybody I've ever met. So it's like one hour, he's just super depressed, you know, and just so down. Like, why am I a Texas fan? Like, like Seth, he was Seth levels. And then like an hour later, he's like, hey, we got our QB. You know what? We learned our lesson. We got our QB. We're going to the playoffs. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, man, it took us two weeks. But, you know, we're almost there with him. Yeah, we're, we're catching up. That man was streets ahead. That's all it is right there. Right. Um, yeah. So do, do we want to talk TCU or do we want to yeah, discuss as much as, the concerns of the defense? Let's, we can do a little bit of both. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and do TCU defense just to wrap up with our, our offense discussion. Um, they're bad. That's not something we've said very many times on this show the last couple of years, but yeah, they're not good. Uh, like I said earlier, they have a lot of injuries, and so that's something to watch. Like, there's 
different rumors about who is and isn't playing. Uh, so I think that will have a pretty big impact on, you know, if they're all out, I think that there's a good chance we just route them. But if they all play, then I'm expecting a close game and a little bit of a return to earth from the offense. Not that we're going to get shut down, just we're not putting up 70 on on their starters. Yeah, ho-hum, we only dropped 38 on TCU this time. Yeah, I 38 should be enough to win the game, I think. Uh, so I'll take it. I don't know. All I know is that Gary Patterson, that fucking land whale of a human being that he is, like has more than willingly thrown the last several games of performance from TCU fully to prepare for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. Like there's, there's nothing else. I, I think I said it on Reddit earlier this week. Gary Patterson would rather go one and eleven with a win over Texas than eleven and one with a loss to Texas. That's how much he focuses on this game and how much TCU focuses on this game. So that's that's why I'm hesitant to buy in yet. And why if we get past Gary Patterson, knowing the games he plays like that, that this is where I, I really buy in is just knowing that there's just some bullshit that is always on Patterson's brain just for the Texas game that if we're ready for that, then fuck it. We we're ready for anything. We can take on any team. So I was, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier. I think you're right. That Texas is the big game on their schedule. I think that SMU is another one of the big games though. You know, I think that you can overlook tech, but I don't know if they're overlooking SMU, especially since they lost two years ago and SMU is more competitive now. Uh, so I, I'm not sure. And then the other thing is I don't know that actually looking ahead would have been helpful. because uh, So the week of their bye was... Yeah, the week of their bye was when we played Arkansas. So if he spent their bye week prepping for us, he has the Louisiana game in which we were very vanilla, and he has the Arkansas game. And our offense is very different from what we showed in either of those games. We just talked at length about opening up the playbook more, switching more to outside zone having a new quarterback so i mean it'd be hilarious if gary patterson spent the last two or three weeks prepping for us only to find that we're running a different offense than what he prepped and lost to smu in the process <laughs> uh but i i also think that there's something there and that you know if, if you're a, an injured player and you're on that fence of whether you can play or not you're playing against texas the guys are going to be practicing hard all week the players are going to be fully into and dialed in to this game uh so i think there is something there that we should expect for tcu to play their best game of the season um but you know we've talked about this for years as texas like that, that should always be the expectation and the idea is that our best will beat their best so we have to be at our best um and if the team preps like that then it shouldn't be an issue which is exactly why if we're ready and we prep at our best for the team that I would say on our schedule takes us more seriously, even than Oklahoma. Like, I think, like, like I said, TCU is willing to lose the rest of the season to win that game. Oklahoma still wants to win the other games as well. If we can get past Gary Patterson in that mode, then I'm, I'm really chugging Kool-Aid at that point. Okay. Um, I guess, the issues that I would have concerns about is just from watching that SMU game, uh, Max and knowing Max Duggan, Max Duggan always goes super Saiyan against Texas and then will look like shit next week. 
I know that for sure. That's just that's just who Max Duggan is at this point. That's not going to change. Zach Evans looks legit, like solidly the second best true running back in the league. All all or no offense to Deuce Vaughn, but it's Bijan, it's Zach Evans, then it's everybody else, and then. Quentin Johnston scares the shit out of me, especially after Texas's defense gave up so many long bombs against Texas Tech, even if it was well after the game was out of reach. I yeah, there are valid there are valid concerns about our defense. I don't I'm not super worried about Quentin Johnston, mostly because I think that you know, we'll be able to scheme away one guy. I don't I don't think that our defense is gonna let one guy beat them. Um unless it's Zach Evans, because if he just you know, if the TCU run offense just runs all over us, that will be an obvious issue. But, you know, you look at last week with Ezekama, and we were able to bottle him up. He had, like, seven catches for 40 for 56 yards, something like that, I want to say. Uh, he wasn't the one that beat us downfield. Um, so I, I think that, you know, maybe he gets loose for a couple. Um, but I'm much more worried about our ability to stop the deep ball than I am just like any one guy uh, really breaking out against us. Um, but there is something to be said that Duggan is probably going to have the best game of his career next week. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. it. You just have to – I don't know. Man, That that the one two years ago, like some of the plays he made were just – dumb and i get it, it was a, like a todd orlando sorry i'm kind of this is going to turn into a little bit of a venting session here and i get it was like a todd orlando defense and like he was throwing on tyler owens like a true freshman trying to play safety uh and it was just these like really long vertical shots but it's like max duggan isn't that good like why is he hitting those throws like and there were like three or four of them too so and the 2019 texas defense was not good like it was historically bad and i get that but it's just like why, you know? It was it was also coming off like LSU a couple weeks prior. It's just, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't want to have to go through that again. So it's it's one of those things where from watching that SMU game, the number of deep shots that Max Duggan took that were just a little bit overthrown. And I think uh, this this is a good time to to call it out just because we I talked about it with Will Bazer uh, on the new Horns Cast discord channel which you should check out Uh, i think it's linked on the hornscast twitter uh, as well as several other places there's also a new hornscast patreon if you want to give money to will Bazer, if you want to give money to us uh if you want to give money to will Bazer and definitely not us or vice versa whatever you want to do uh, you should check those things out but just this week we did sort of a watch where we sat down in discord in the film room, watched TCU versus SMU and just sort of talked about the different plays that we saw, sort of looking ahead to TCU. The number of times that Max Duggan went deep and just barely missed a big play drove me insane because I knew that if those SMU players were wearing burnt orange, he was going to drop those dimes in and they would have gotten lit the fuck up. That's that's the Max Duggan that I expect to see on Saturday. I, I'm thinking the same thing. Uh so for our defense i actually still feel good about our cornerbacks like i think that deshaun jameson had a bad game i think that he lost concentration a little bit uh you maybe correct me if i'm wrong here josh but i'm pretty sure that like pro football focus had a stat that deshaun jameson didn't give up a touchdown in coverage all of last season yep. um 
I think it's a little bit of an aberration for him to give up two touchdowns back to back. The more worrying thing for me is our safeties because I don't think they're very good. Uh, any of them, really. <laughs> like Brennan Schooler is kind of the highlight there, hitting Deshaun Jameson, his own teammate, on a play to give a, ma- a massive touchdown. Um, but something I, I talked a little bit I think I brought it up on the podcast like prior to the season was I think that PK is a very good defensive coordinator, but he's also worked with Jimmy Lake for the last half decade. And Jimmy Lake is the best developer of defensive backs in the country, probably at least safeties. Um, So what happens when you go from having Jimmy Lake with guys like Buda Baker uh, to having our safeties coached by Blake Gideon, who was good himself, but he's still a young guy. And it's his first time actually coaching a position group. Uh, he's a special teams coordinator at Ole Miss. Very green as a coach. Um, so I think we're seeing some of that. I do think that he has taken some of the pressure off of the safeties. I think that like generally the safeties are one of the more important positions on his defenses. Uh, like Every defensive coordinator will have a couple guys that he puts under more stress than others. And I think for PK, it's usually his safeties. Um, so that, that does worry me. And it's just something to kind of monitor going forward. Um, but I also don't expect, I don't think Jameson is going to give up a bunch of long touchdowns where he just gets beat one-on-one and like at the very least he'll be able to bring the guy down cause he's fast, but could we get some more plays like where BJ Foster takes a bad angle and then his five yards behind the guy. Sure. I think that some of that could happen. Okay. So enough doom and gloom there. Let's just skip to the fun part. Start making predictions, start having some hot takes. Um, I think right now the line is Texas four and a half. I'm not looking at an actual web page that shows me that, and I'm too lazy to look it up right now. So let's call it Texas minus four and a half. And I think the over under is somewhere around like 66 and a half. Um, so with that in mind, what is your score prediction, Noah? I think I'll take the 38 points you gave me earlier and I'll go like 27 for TCU. No, you know what? Give me 38-23. Okay. We might give up a couple big plays, uh, but our our red zone defense has been pretty good this year, I think. Um, You know, minus when we were super gassed against Arkansas. Uh, So we might give up a couple big plays, but I do think we'll be able to kind of clamp down um, as TCU moves towards the goal line. so, yeah, give me, like, uh, just several field goals and, you know, touchdowns win field goals, and it'll be that kind of game for us. Okay. I think, based on what we've talked about, I think we're in relative agreement that it's not the offense for Texas that we're worried about. It's it's how, it's how making sure the defense does slow down TCU. So the only way I see TCU winning this game is going to be in a full-on shootout. I don't expect the offense to go back into its hidey hole that it was in for the first three quarters of the Arkansas game. I don't think TCU has the talent to do that this year. Uh, the, the guys just aren't there. You've seen it in every game. I mean, fuck Cal hung like 30 on them, and Cal under Justin Wilcox is lucky to break 17 most weeks. So I think the points are going to be there plenty for Texas. Uh, Max Duggan, as we've said, makes me nervous. Zach Evans makes me nervous about our defense's ability to hold up. Um, so I'm going to go higher scoring. I think I'm going to say 45-34 Texas wins. I will say that even if Max Duggan has a career game, I bet Casey, Con- 
Casey Thompson, not Tacey Thompson. I think Casey Thompson is even better. Uh, so it's really nice to always be able to fall back on. We have a better quarterback. I think that holds true. So I can totally buy your, your scenario there. Okay. So you got any hot takes to throw out for this game? Things, things that you want to keep an eye on you think outlandishly could still happen. Uh, does it have to be specific to this game or just, I mean, if you're going to chicken out of something on this game, you can do something. Okay. I'll, I'll come up with something for this game, but first I'll go with a hot take for the season as a whole. And then I'll let you give one for the game. Uh, okay. So I can think of it here. Okay. So my hot take is that Kyle flood may know more about coaching an offensive line than we do. What? Yeah. I think that, you know, we've been calling for all these changes to the offensive line the last couple of weeks. Uh, and who knew that Kyle Flood might actually be better at it than we are? Uh, he stuck with the same group of guys. They're showing improvement. He's coaching them up week after week. Um, it's a little spicy, but I think Kyle Flood might know what he's doing. Okay. So in that same vein, I'll take my hot take from you to make sure that you can't, uh, you can't use it for yourself and you have to do a little bit of thinking. I'll stick with the offensive line there. Texas turns the ball over zero times and also allows zero sacks by a, a TCU pass rush that is significantly better than Texas Tech's. Okay. That, yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. My, okay. So then hot take. Okay. I got one. Let's see. It's the Bijan versus Zach Evans bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Give me Bijan with 100 yards from scrimmage, not rushing. 100 yards and one touchdown more than Zach Evans. Ooh. So that's that. So what? Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. Because even if Zach Evans has a big game, it just means that Bijan had an even bigger game. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, my, my go-to here, like if I had to say what, like how does that shake out? I'd say it's something like Zach Evans gets like 80 yards and a touchdown and Bijan has like 180 and two. But, you know, that's still significantly better game uh you know different different programs obviously and it's not really fair to compare the other two to each other like compare the two to each other but just the way those recruitments played out i think in the minds of texas fans they always will be somewhat intertwined absolutely and that just because we're talking about Bijan again it is crazy this is now week four or this will be our fifth game for the last four weeks Bijan has been outstanding or as outstanding as he possibly could be with all the other issues that were going on against Arkansas. But I think he had nearly 200 yards against tech more than that against rice, a bunch against Louisiana Lafayette. He has massive games every week. And somehow for us, it's not consciously impressive. It's just like, Oh yeah, it's Bijan. Of course he went for 180 and two scores. That's just what Bijan does. It's not exceptional until he breaks 200 or 250 or something like that. He can he can be the player of the game every single week, and it will for us will just be like a yeah, that's sort of just what you expect. It's it's not impressive anymore because it's just so standard for him to be unbelievably good. It's it's kind of like the LeBron James or the Tom Brady effect. Although, so I I, I get what you're saying about like a box score. Like you look at, at Bijan's stats and you're just like, oh, that's good. But of course, it's much better than just good. But whenever I'm watching Bijan, and I posted this in our group chat, 
I feel like kind of dirty because he's just so good. So like on a play to play basis, he still blows me away. Um, definitely some of the great runs are becoming more mundane, you know, like he might break a tackle and stuff, but, but some of the stuff he does, like I know Will Bazer talked about one on like his spin move, which I have a slightly different read of what happened there. I think he just ne- never was off balance. Uh, but like his very first touchdown throw or touchdown catch, uh, fourth and one i think it's kind of underrated that cut because he catches the ball kind of behind him he he's like planting really funny but he still gets his head around to not only see it but then also makes like an off balance cut and then immediately accelerates it's just like that that play alone was crazy in my mind um and i think to really appreciate that play you can't watch the tv angle of it there's the angle that's posted, I think, on all the social media of that play from the sideline. And you can basically just see, like, you can see the tech player's eyes as Bijan just casually jukes him out of his shoes. And the guy, the tech, pl- or tech, the tech player's eyes, you can see the whites of his eyes as he's going, oh, fuck. Like, he's practically running completely past Bijan, and Bijan looks like he's just out for a stroll. Like, he just sort of hesitated for a second and the blew the guy right past him it becomes more impressive when you see those sideline angles than it is from the tv angle mm-hmm. i so i actually don't know that i've seen that exact angle but just you know if you think about it like these are two guys they're running to the same spot one of them has to tackle the other the guy that has to do the tackling knows where the guy being tackled is going he has to catch a ball <laughs> like there's only one spot the ball is going so he knows where he has to be and where he has to make the hit and then Bijan still jukes him out of his shoes. So he's Bijan's crazy. It's, and yeah, Roshan and Keelan are good too. Yeah. We, we we have a great problem in Texas, and that's three really entertaining running backs to watch. Yeah. And, and Brooks have, is no slouch either. Yeah, Brooks is no slouch. We have three extremely entertaining running backs and one who is the best in the country, and it is poetry at worst to watch on a given week from those those guys. So all right, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Fire Steve Sarkeesian podcast. Uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at, at the FSS podcast, also on Instagram, same username. Uh, as we mentioned before, hit up Hornscast, got a Discord channel. Uh, you can interact with us. You can interact with the guys from 4th and 5. You can interact with Johnny, uh, better white guy from Pretend We're Football as well as Will Bazer, who's, you know, whatever. But doing a lot of fun stuff. We're trying to build this stuff up more. Uh, we've also got the Hornscast Patreon. I think it's just patreon.com slash hornscast. Got a few different tiers um, to sort of contribute to the show. Just support us. I haven't, I don't know exactly how much money is going to come out of that. So if you're worried about us getting that money, I doubt we're going to see too much of it. Bazer will probably keep it all for himself. Um but yeah, check us out over there. That that would be great. We'd love to see you guys interact with us more. Give us more immediate feedback, uh, more thoughts on the episodes. And yeah, check all that stuff out. Just gives you one more way to, to follow. Definitely follow Hornscast on whatever podcast platform you're listening on as well. Uh, Noah, you got any last thoughts for the people before we sign off completely? No, uh, it's it's been cool. The, the Discord has been cool. I think that... Um, you know, before you actually hopped on with Will to pre- preview the TCU game, I was kind of in there with him. We were breaking down the second half of the Tech game. Uh, 
so I think I think that there's going to be some cool stuff that we did with it. Um, I think I'm going to talk to Will about having like a weekly, like I think this one was like Tuesday at eight o'clock, like a weekly hour long kind of film breakdown. So yeah, everybody can hop in there and kind of join us and you know put their thoughts in the chat and everything because uh, that went pretty well. And we might do some co streams and stuff. So it should be a good time. I, I think that it is better than I expected for Discord. No offense to Will. Uh, but I think he's done a good job setting it up and it'll be fun. I, I, you know, people, some people there, okay. There's the people out there. They're like, what's a discord? Like I have a life away from my computer. What's a discord. And then there it's are people lizard. that are, <laughs> yeah. Then there are like the people like us that might be on six different discords. And it's like half of them are just like totally inactive and kind of suck. Uh, but so the point I was getting across is that this is actually not one of those. It's been, it's been fun so far. And I think there's some more good stuff planned for it. Yeah, I'd love to keep that going. Uh, I think Will and I talked about it. It'd definitely be a lot of fun to have you and Will talk about it on some level of knowledge and me just make bullshit, wise-ass remarks about every single play and the funny things that are happening. So uh, it was a lot of fun to, to do that. If we make that a regular thing, uh, it would definitely be a lot of fun, and it'd be great to see a lot of people come and, and take that in, especially as we continue to grow that stuff because – We've got a good thing going, I think, at Hornscast with all the, the podcasts that we do have. So love to see people participate, um, get involved. Even if you're not doing Patreon stuff, uh, that's fine by us. We're not, we never really planned on making money off of these podcasts. So any interaction you have with us would be great. But uh, that'll do it for us here. We will see you guys on the next episode after the TCU game, hopefully getting ready to talk about another win, another great performance from Casey Thompson and B. John Robinson. But until next week, hook them.